Welcome back, everybody, <coughs> to our continuing Lakutim Arachir. I'm very, I'm very excited. We finished Torah Aleph, and as we're beginning to see how infectious and how broad the Rebbe's Torahs are. So it's really exciting to me. Today, actually, even though I mentioned in the previous year, we're going to start Torah 9. Today, I actually wanted to start Lesson 7. As I was thinking about it, I realized Torah Zion, Lesson 7, and Torah Tess, Lesson 9, are very, very directly uh, related to each other. So I figured, why not start with Lesson 7, then maybe we'll go over to Torah 9, but we have time till we get there. And also, I wanted to just share for... Uh, I wanted to explain that, you know, we're not going in order because <coughs> people ask me about this, how come we're not going in order? It's because the Sefer is a really, really difficult Sefer. And I feel that it will, every Torah, as we're seeing, is totally self-contained and it's a world unto itself. And if we get, in a certain way, for lack of a better word, bogged down in many of the drushes and the technicalities of how the Rebbe learned this and that and put together, it would be very technical and I think it might lose its effect a little bit on some of the people. So I wanted to really just bring highlights. And there's no, there's no reason it has to, you can't skip around because every lesson is a whole worldview. And it's not one of these safers, just in general, it's not one of these safers that, uh, that, that goes in order, which means if you're learning another safer, each idea builds and it goes and you have to learn from chapter to chapter, parak to parak, in order to make sense out of it to get a complete picture, but Lukutim Maran is really not like that. Certainly there's overlap and certainly different ideas explain one another, but really in Lukutim Maran you don't have to do that because as we've said many times, each Torah is really a revelatory lens which gives us new perceptions of life and new levels of consciousness. So moving on now, I wanted to give a short overview about the main points uh, in Lesson 7 that we're going to touch on. So it's like a kaleidoscope blending and weaving many chazals and sukkim together to create a bigger image. And the main, like many of the Rebbe's teachings, but the main themes in this lesson are emuna and emes, faith and, faith and truth, tefillah, prayer, more specifically the power and ability to affect change with your davening. Three, eretz yisrael and miracles. Four, attachment to tzaddikim and following their good advice in contrast to following the negative advice of the Rishayim, or false leaders. And five is really Shmira Sabris, Deacon Abris. And we're going to see how something that many people struggle with. And a, uh, we're going to see how the Rebbe addressed these things. And we're going to come back to that. Uh, now, you'll notice, if you look at your Sefer, Lukut Maran, you'll notice that this lesson is marked in the beginning, Lashon Rabbeinu Zerchon Ravacha. So some of the lessons of Lukut are actually marked Lashon Rabbeinu Zerchon Levracha, and that meant it was, when it says Lashon Rabbeinu by a lesson, it meant it's either copied verbatim from Rabbi Nachman's manuscripts that Reb Nassim had, or it was dictated by Rabbi Nachman to Reb Nassim. So in these Torahs it says that you could be, in the ones that say Lashon Rabbeinu, so you could be Medayik, and every single word that was written here is intentional, even if it looks like it repeats itself, or it looks like superfluous, the English word every really Every really a uh, word is intentional. And now one more last order of housekeeping. <laughs> one more last note before we start. A, that more specifically, what we're going to learn today 
on a more micro level, that was a general overview, but on a more micro level, more specifically what we're going to uh, learn today is that amuna, tefillah, miracles, and gullus go hand in hand with each other. Meaning a person who has amuna and Hashem will daven. And gullus here means, as we're going to see, means distant from God. That a person's in gullus and exile from themselves. That people try to figure themselves out. People say, I don't know myself. I don't know what I like. I don't know what I don't like. Right? So there are obviously many levels of gullus and nefesh of a person discovering themselves and discovering their soul. So gullus means distance from God. You don't see God. Uh, but when, you know, when you dive into Hashem and you recognize God and you now become closer and that kind of takes you out of gullus, it brings back the, takes you out of gullus and nefesh. You get to know yourself through tefillah. You get to come close to God, come close to the source of Gula itself. Okay, now we're going to jump. We're going to jump right in. You got the place? You got the place? All right. So we're going to jump right in over here. So it starts, Zion Lashon Rabbeinu Zal, like we just said, that each word over here is very specific. Now, again, like we mentioned stylistically, uh, he opens with a Pusik, a certain idea, a certain Chazal, then spends the entire Torah getting back to that Chazal. So he starts with words, Amru Chachmenu Ha-Mishpatim Asher Tasim Lifneihem. These are the Mishpatim, these are the laws, Asher Tasim Lifneihem, that you should place in front of them. Now, Rabbi Nachman's going to bring two drushas on that Pasuk, and he's going to spend, he's going to depart from that, and we're going to come back that way in the end, probably a few years from now. Amru Chachmenu Zechon Levracha, Chazal said, Ahishvu ish leish, isha leish, that uh, they equated man and woman. So what does it mean, lifnehem, right? It, that you should put these laws in front of them. It means lifnehem is plural, man and woman, ish isha. Right? So they're equivalent in keeping the laws, man and woman. And now he brings another chazal, the Isab Mechilta, and his Baran Mechilta, Yachol Yehiyu Hatalidim Londim Ve'enim Avinim. It could be that a person learns and they don't, uh, the students learns and they don't understand, Talmud Lomar Asher Tasim Lifnehem. Right? So it comes to teach us it should be placed before them. Archem Lifnehem Keshulchan Aruch. It should be laid out and set in front of them like a Shulchan Aruch. So it could be that people don't understand. So why does it say, uh, so really it says the word Lifnehem to teach us that you should teach with a certain clarity. Everything should be laid out and organized in front of you like a Shulchan Aruch. And indeed that's what the Beis Yosef accounts the Shulchan Aruch. So here we see, we have two drushas that Rabbi Nachman brings on the Pasuk, and they're both going on the word Lifnehem in front of them. In front of them, one Chazali one Chazali brings that in front of them is in Lifnehem means before them both men and women, that they're both equivalent regarding this. And the second is what he brings in Mechilta, that it says Lifnehem, it needs to be placed before them like a Shulchan Aruch, like a set table, like a beautiful Shabbos table. Okay, now we're going to depart from this and we're going to go into the main points that we're going to cover tonight. Da, you should know. Da, no. Ki Iker HaGalas Eno Bishvil Chesaron Emuna. The main part of Galus, uh, the reason why people are in Galus, the main part of Galus only happens because of a lack of faith. People have a lack of Emuna. And these are very famous lines that he said. Right? Iker HaGalus Eno Elobishvil Chesaron Emuna. Why are we in exile? Why are people in Galus? Because they don't have faith. They don't have Amuna. Kemoshe Kasuv, like it says in the Pasuk. Tavoi Tishuri Mirosh Amana. 
that in the times of Mashiach, they're going to become singing on the top of the mountain called Amana. Now this is a play of words, that they're going to come coming and singing uh, Tashem on the top of the mountain of Amana. Amana also means Emuna. means in the times, people are going to come, in times of Mashiach, people are going to come singing to Hashem from the mountain of Amuna. That's how it could read. So people are going to have this uh, Emuna, which is really going to bring Gullus. So therefore, if you have a lack of, sorry, you're going to have this Emuna, which is really going to bring Geula. And this lack of Emuna, as he said, is, is the cause of Gullus. The Emuna he is But Emuna is an aspect of Tfila. Like it says in the Basak, Vihi Yadav Emuna. That his hands were like Emuna. Vitargmu Prishan Bitsilo. Right? And so what's this Pasuk over here? It says by Moshe would hold his hand uh, I think it was Yoshua and Chor would hold Moshe's hands up while he was fighting the war. And when people would look at Moshe's hands, they would win the war. And when Moshe's hands were down, they would lose the war. So obviously we know the famous Chazal on that. What does it mean? They were down, Moshe's hands won the war, Moshe's hands lost the war. Does it mean those no? When people's, uh, Moshe's hands were raised, it symbolized that their eyes were on Hashem. And their eyes were on Hashem. It means they were having a muna, a tefillah. And that gave them a certain chizuk. So the, that gave them a certain chizuk that they were looking towards their Avinu Shabbat Shemaim, their father, their father in heaven. Right? So a, uh, that's what happened over here. And, that, and that's what it means that Moshe's hands were up. The Moshe's hands represent tefillah, uh, this emuna in Hashem. And this is what the Targumu actually uh, translate the words of Vihi Yadav Emuna. When Moshe's hands were up, Prishan Bitzilo, right? They were spread in prayer. Okay, and we're going to put all this together as we read further. Vezebachinas Nisim Lamaila Minhateva. And this is an aspect. And this emuna, and this which is Tfila, right? Amuna and Tfila go hand in hand, is like the aspect of is synonymous with miracles that are beyond Teva. Teva, beyond Teva. Why is Tfila synonymous with going miracles beyond Teva, beyond nature? Sorry. Because tefillah is beyond teva. Well, how is prayer beyond nature? Because nature uh, says it's supposed to be a certain way, right? That's the teva. The teva is the nature of things. It absolutely has to be that way. But tefillah itself has the ability to change teva, to alter nature. So, right? And this is a miracle. So tefillah is beyond Teva, which is a miracle. And for this, you need Amuna, right? And what exactly is the Amuna that a person needs to have? To believe that there is a Mechadesh, something, a force, Hashem, who creates, has the ability to intercede and create a new, right? Let me say, there's a chiddush. It's something new. Ubiyado lechadish dover kiritsono, and that this koach hamechadish, this force of renewal, uh, of rejuvenation, has the ability to uh, rejuvenate and renew anything according to its will. So.
I just want to explain this a little bit outside for, for a moment over here, that, that, that Emuna, Tefillah, and, and Gullus uh, all go hand in hand, right? Because a person who has, uh, is far from themselves, a person who feel like they're in Gullus, right? So if you daven to Hashem, davening is a, a display of Emuna, because how is davening a display of Emuna? Because you would never daven if you couldn't believe things couldn't change, right? So because you have Emuna, you have faith in God, you turn towards God in prayer, like Moshe had his hands up, you turn to God in prayer. And when you turn to God in prayer, right, so that prayer has the ability to affect change. And Rabbi Nachman uses a very interesting term over here. He says that, now, Reb Nassim Lakuta Lachos goes to town on this. We're, we'll learn the Lakuta Lachos at a later time. We're not getting into this, but but it's a uh, it's really an amazing thing over here that there's actually a force of renewal. You know that there is this potential for things to be renewed, which is beyond nature because nature itself. It's got to be a certain way. The grass grows. This is how much money you have in the bank. This is what your relationship looks like. This is what, a, uh, what your circumstance looks like, either physical or emotional. That's the nature. But tefillah has the ability, is beyond nature. It's above. It's beyond nature. Why? Because nature says things are supposed to be a certain way. But when you daven Hashem, and you believe that there's a kol chadish, there's a power of renewal and rejuvenation, the ability to intercede. So then what happens is it has the ability to go beyond nature. So you see already tefillah is the ability to go beyond nature, to supersede nature, to be totally, totally a transcendent. Hello. <laughs> now the, the, the Me'anachal, he was one of the Meforshim on Lakut Maran. So the Me'anachal, I'm not going to read it inside, but the Me'anachal brings that through a mu, uh, that he brings this whole thing that, that, a, uh, that believing that there's this mechadish, this force of mechadish, that God who's regenerating and creating from anew, changing the creation, when a person believes in that, when they actually see that there's this, that Hashem intercedes with the creation, not only intercedes, but is mechadish, has this force of rejuvenation, has this force of renewal that supersedes creation. So when a person really starts to understand that there's this ability to go beyond nature, that even though nature looks like life is going to be a certain way, right? But they start understanding that Hashem has the power to override nature, so to speak. So that fuels their ability to pray. That fuels their, that fuels their ability of tefillah. And tefillah has the ability to go beyond nature. Because if you think that the world, what you get is what you see, and your circumstance in life, again, be it, be it external circumstances or internal Emotional circumstance or spiritual circumstance, if you think that's what it is, so you're not going to daven. But once you understand that there's ability of mechadish, that Hashem has this ability of mechadish, so then a person's now going to, fueling their tefillah, the more we appreciate and value the koach mechadish, the ability of Hashem to intercede and renew things as He sees fit, according to His Ratzon, so then that's going to fuel a person's to davening, uh, fuel a person's tefillah. Similar to two hours. That's right. Uh, Ayeh. Ayeh. So the Ayeh is also. So when you, if you're able to say Ayeh to Hashem, then... That's right. If you're able to search Hashem. Very good. I like what you're saying. <laughs> so the, uh, the Mehanachal brings 
that he, he says this like uh, by Elisha, that it's known that Elisha was able to perform all his miracles through tefillah. That you see all the miracles that Elisha did, he did Tchiyas HaMesim, right? He did Pishnaim, he did double, double all the miracles of Eliyahu. Yeah, it's a whole back and forth in Navi. When Eliyahu is actually leaving, there's actually a Torah in Maran, and it's called Pishnaim. When Eliyahu is just a push-up shot in the Sukkim, is that when Eliyahu is getting ready to die, he takes Elisha on a walk across a river, basically, and he says, uh, what do you want from me? Elisha says, really good story in Navi Malachim, but... Uh, Elisha, he says, ask me, Eliyahu says, ask me anything you want. Elisha says, I want pishnaimu ruchachachel, I want double of what you have. Right? And Eliyahu says back, zedavarkasha, so the Mitsudis explains on the spot, this is tangential, but the Mitsudis explains on the spot that uh, if you only have $100, you can't give two. So Elisha was asking, I want double of what you have. You can only give what you have, you can't give more than what you have. So what was this thing that Elisha was asking for pishnaim? What was this thing that he was asking for double? So, a, uh, so Eliel says, if you're there when I pass away, when I leave this world, then he went up in the fiery chariot, then you'll get double. If not, then you won't. So, a, uh, so it's a very interesting back and forth, whatever this tangential. But Rabbi Nachman explains on that, parenthetically, he explains that uh, if you, what was the back and forth, that he explains how the neshama de la'ela, the, the larger part of the neshama... Oh, that you're limited. So he says, so Elio, this is just the psukim back and forth. So Elio says, uh, if you're there at the time of my histalkus, when I pass away, then you'll get it. He says, first of all, it's a hard thing. But if you're there at the time of my histalkus, I'll give it to you. And if you're not there, then I, then I won't give it to you. So Rabbi Na, he, indeed, Elisha was there. And he did double the amount of Eli- miracles. He did double the amount of miracles Elio did. And he did it all through tefillah also, which is no gain to our piece over here, that Elio did every, uh, Elisha accomplished everything through tefillah. But the outside back and forth that Rabbi Nachman explains in a different lesson, what was really going on behind the scenes, is that when a person, there's an astalkus of a sadik, when a person dies, the reason why a person, and this is not our lesson, but the reason why a person dies is because there's a neshama ilah and a neshama sasa, right? There's a ruach de la ilah and a ruach de la mala. There's a above spirit and a below spirit. And when a person dies, essentially, why do they die? Because the ruach de la ilah, your higher self, your higher spirit, actually comes down and merges with your Ruach de la Sata, your spirit below, and that actually causes, that like shocks a person and then the neshama leaves, because your bigger half now came all the way down and merged with your lower half, that shocks out the neshama and it's Olelamayla. So when you're there at the time of the stalkus of a tzaddik, right, so it comes out, you're able to receive double of what they ordinary have. So now when Eliyahu, he said, if you're there at the time of my Estalkas, which is the Pashup Shad and the Psukim, right, what was he really saying? When my Ruach de Leila merges with my Ruach de Lasata, if you're there at that time, only then you could get Pishnayim and Ruach you could get double. And Elisha knew that. So Elisha said, I want Pishnayim, I want more. He says, okay, if you follow me around until I leave this world, then you'll get more. And indeed, Komasha Asa Eliyahu, Asha Elisha. Right? And that's why he was able to do double the amount of miracles that Eliyahu did. Wasn't that amazing? And Rav Nassim explains on this, even though it's not our lesson, it's worth the finished thought, that any time there's a stalchutz of, of a tzaddik, certainly on their yurt site, on Lag Omer, or any of its stalchutz by the kiver of a tzaddik, where the tzaddik is going higher and higher and higher in Shemayim, a person is able to receive a double influence of what they'd normally be able to receive. Because every moment we know tzaddikim are going higher and higher in Ganeiden, so there's a hestalkus, there's a removal on every level, so when a person goes to the cave of a tzaddik, they're able to get double 
of what they're ordinarily able to receive. Incredible? Maybe we'll do that lesson one day. That's a really good one. Okay, back to, back to our lesson. We're talking about the Koach HaMachadosh. And a, uh, one last ta'ara from that little departure, uh, returning to our lesson, is that this idea of the Koach HaMachadosh is like, we all believe in God. Everyone believes in God, right? But do we really believe there's a Koach HaMachadosh? that Hashem possesses this ability of renewal and rejuvenation, that our prayers have the ability to change the events in our lives in the world? Not so much, <laughs> right? If we really believe that, our, that Hashem was able to be mechadish anything in the way He according to His mechadish b'chol yom tamid, right? But if we really believed in this force of mechadish, the force of renewal and rejuvenation, so we would, we would be running to tefillah before we try any maise b'pol, any action. We'd be running and running and running to daven uh, for that thing to take fruition in our lives. So here he's talking about this idea of, of this koach mechadish, this ability of rejuvenation, which really when a person has a sense that things can change, and has, through their tefillahs, we'd, we'd, we'd arm ourselves with tefillah. Right? In fact, Rabbi Nachman says in a different lesson, in a, uh, uh, one of the earlier lessons, he says, a, uh, maybe he says it in, in a, uh, Torah 9, which overlaps with Torah 7, that he says, let me just look it up. He says, yeah, he says in the beginning of lesson 9, Ki ikar hachiyas mekablu me'atfila. Oh, it's a different lesson, sorry. But he says the Iker Klezayin, oh, this is what he says in Torah Beis. Hold on. As we get sidetracked, he says in Torah Beis. That's right, new life. That we're believing in the Koach HaMachadosh. So, so Rabbi Nachman says in Torah Beis, Ki ikr shal Mashiach Right? The main weapon of Mashiach is tefillah. Right? The main ikr kli, we could, we could learn that Torah another time, but relevant to our conversation, Ki ikr shal Mashiach The main weapon Mashiach is going to use to accomplish, to bring the Geula is tefillah, which is amuna, Right? Amuna. And this Koch Machadish believing that things can change through my tefillah. Right? The famous drush of the Olachas Yiddish Svarm Big that uh, I think it says by Yaakov Avinu Becherbi Ubekashti. Right? Becherbi Ubekashti, a bow and arrow, my sword and my, and my uh, bow and arrow, right? So a uh, Bakashti is also tefillah, a Bakasha. Or Becherbi is the sword of tefillah. And he used his main weapons were tefillah, davening. Right? And they, uh, that's a really. An incredible, an incredible lesson for all of us. Okay, Viter in the Viter in the lesson. So I want to move a little bit. Uh, this way, people feel like they're accomplishing. <laughs> uh, even I could talk about this for days, but okay. The Iker. Now he switches gears. The Iker emuna bechinas tefila, and the main emuna that a person has, uh, which is uh, the Iker emuna, which is the aspect of tefila bechinas nisim, which are like miracles, right? Because that's a miracle if you daven in it now. You went beyond nature and something changed, right? Eino ela be'eret Yisrael is only in Israel, in the Holy Land. He's going to show this through Pesukim. Eret Yisrael, Rabbi Nachman was like a staunch, uh, he was a staunch believer in Eret Yisrael. 
It's from the early religious Zionists, if I could say such a thing. Right? I know people are going to fry me up for saying that. But he definitely, definitely, he, he, Yisrael, he spoke so much about Eretz Yisrael and Tefillah is about Eretz Yisrael. He desired to go to Eretz Yisrael and went through a whole... He went through a whole trip to go to have it written down in Sipor Eretz Yisrael. He went, traveled through Turkey through the middle of a war. And then he walked four steps in Eretz Yisrael and he said, uh, anything that I learned, he said, I, turn, I could turn back now. I accomplished everything I needed to just by walking Dalit Amos. And any Torah that he had prior to going to Eretz Yisrael, he didn't want, he destroyed, completely destroyed. He, he received, after four steps in Eretz Yisrael, totally new perceptions and asagos and levels of consciousness of Torah that he said anything that happened beforehand, and indeed I believe he scrapped anything that was happened beforehand. After Eretz he revealed everything again. After, he was very big, big uh, staunch Eretz Okay. The Iker Muna Bechinas Tefillah Bechinas Nisim Eino Ela Be'Eretz Yisrael is only in Eretz Yisrael. Kumosh Kasev, like the Pasuk says, Shechein Eretz Urei Emuna. Live in the land and you'll see Emuna. So Eretz Yisrael and Emuna go hand in hand. Visham Ikar Aliyas Tefillah. And this is the main area where the Tefillah uh, gets lifted up through. Elevation of, of prayer. Kamosh Kasev, Vzeh Shar HaShemayim. Like it says, this is the gate of Shemayim. Referring to Tefillah. And because of this, when it says by Avraham, when Hashem showed him, I think by the Brisbane of Basarim, he said, Avraham said, how am I going to know? Really? I'm going to have the land? How am I going to know? Show me a sign. So, and with this uh, questioning of Hashem, how am I going to know that my kids are going to inherit the land? So that was uh, on his level, that was a blemish on the inheritance of the land, shehi bechinas amuna, which so was a blemish in amuna, right? Bechinas tefila, bechinas tefila, hayagolus mitzrayim, because he blem by questioning Hashem, it was a blemish in faith and prayer. That's what caused the golus mitzrayim. And Chazal actually say that over there when he questioned because of his ripple effect of saying, "How are my kids? No, my kids are going to inherit the land." So because of that, they got Egypt. They got mitzrayim golus. So you see that a lack of amuna, what he started with. Uh, is the cause of Gullus, is the cause of exile. And again, uh, again, he meant exile of the self, a person not knowing themselves, the Gullus and Hashama, and he meant the physical exile, Pashit, not living in the land of Eretz Yisrael. Medavka, Yaakov, Uban of Yardu Mitzrayim, and specifically Yaakov and his children that went to Mitzrayim, Kiheim Bechina Shnaim Asar Nuschos because these are the the Yaakov and his kids represent the twelve Nisros that are Tfila, the twelve how would you how would you translate Nisach? How would you translate Nisach? What would you say? Notes. Texts. I don't know. Hard. hard word to translate, right? That would and they they represent the twelve Nisros at Tfila. We're gonna come back to that point, which means that they're twelve. A uh the and it brought him into Galus Mitzrayim, who Hefech Anisim, Mitzrayim is the opposite of miracles, right? Commotion, right, this Parsha connection, talking about Mitzrayim. Why is uh, Mitzrayim the opposite of miracles? He's going to show. All right, see, it's amazing. Everything's backed up with the Pasuk, and it fits so perfectly, you know? All right, Kemosha Kasev, Mitzrayim Nasim Likroso, that they, the Egyptians were Nasim, they were running to greet him. She'ein sham makom hanisim that it was not it was it uses the word nasim that they were running, right? So this nasim that means she'ein sham makom hanisim there was no place for miracles. So somehow he's learning that they were nasim they were running away from miracles, 
right? And we're like running from miracles, right? So to show that there are no miracles here. Somehow he sees that in there. I'm not 100% sure. Well, and there's no tefila there. Kamosha kasev ayaket seisiyas here. Ephros just kapai says when you leave this, when I, and that's what Moshe said. When I leave the city, then I'm gonna then I'm gonna daven because you couldn't daven around because all the vodazaros. So you got to leave the city in order to daven. So you see, in Mitzrayim itself was a place of lack of tefila, a lack of the opposite of miracles. Bechol haglulios mechunim b'shem Mitzrayim and all the gulios, all exiles have the nickname of Mitzrayim, Al Shem Shehim Mitzrayim Yisrael, because they uh, cause pain and tzara on Israel, on our nation. And so when a person has a tarnish or blemish in faith, which is prayer, which is Israel, as we made all those connections, so then a person goes to, uh, they they get exiled off their land. It's now a point over here, just to explain. So he spoke about that there are 12 Neschos Tefillah. This is just a micro point. It's not a major stop on the way, but it's a micro point. And he says this again in Torah 9, that the Arizal explains in Sharkavonos that there are 12 windows in Shemayim, and each Shevet's Tefillahs enter through their Shar. So that's an incredible thing. So you see that there's 12 Sharm in Shemayim, each Tefillah enters through their Shar. And it's also brought in the Zohar that there were 12 entrances into the Beis HaMikdash for each Shevet. And if you'd enter into your wrong Shevet's entrance, the entrance would close and block you out and not let you enter. You had a Dafka enter into your thing. And uh, Rav Nassim adds, this is why we have 12 windows uh, in a shul. Right, this shul? No, this is a temporary shul, right? But in the new shul, I can assure you, there's going to be 12 windows with the Shvatim on it, right? Like every shul does, because I believe that's a Halach and Shulchan Aruch. That the halacha exactly expresses this idea that there are 12 windows in Shemayim and that each Shevet has their Shar in Shemayim. And, uh, and Rabbi Nachman adds in, the, in a Torah Ayin Dalit, in the second Chalik, he says, how do we see this in Tefillah? He takes it a step further. He says that they, uh, Shema Yisrael Hashem Elokeinu Hashem Echad Baruch Shem Kavod Machlusoy Olam Ba'ed is 12 words representative of the 12 Shvatim, which are the 12 gates, which are the 12 windows, right, that e- the 12 Neschos, that each one of Shevet has their own unique way of tefillah, so there's 12 words representing that, and then additionally he explains in that same Tover there that there are, that if you count up the letters of Shema Yisrael Hashem Elokeinu Hashem Chad Baruch Shein Kavom Achusol Elam Ba'ed, it's 49 letters, and if you add together the letters of all the Shvatim names, that's 49 letters also. So not only there are 12 words that correspond to each one of the Shvatim, which correspond to one of the heavenly gates in the worlds of Tefillah in heaven, right? I don't know what that means. I'm just saying what it says, right? So, so it's represented in the Shema, and each, the Shvatim, if you add up all the letters in their names, you just count them, one, two, three, four, right? Ruven, Shimon, Levi, right? It's 49 letters. To represent the 49 letters over here. So it all links up. And that's the 12 Neschaos. And they were the ones that said Shema to Yaakov. They were the ones that said Shema to Yaakov. Very good. It's a perfect fit. Fits like a glove. It's amazing. And a... Uh, okay. We're going to know a little, a little bit, a uh, little bit over here. Okay. The Zeh... So everyone's with it so far? See, you could see how some of this is technical, right? So I don't want to get too bogged down in the drushes of how we learned everything because you could spend a lifetime doing that, you know? Uh, but 
The idea is the main points over here to take out is that is that uh, Eretz Yisrael is the place of Amuna, right, and which is synonymous with Tefillah, and that we really, really need to believe in our Tefillahs, our ability that our Tefillahs have the ability to change things. And it all comes from really understanding that there's a Kalach HaMachadish, right? And certainly if a person's running towards Tefillah and they have Amuna, so they'll, they'll, on a physical level, on a spiritual level, be taking out a Gullus because they're going to come recognize Hashem. What's Gullus? Gullus is you're cut off from knowing God. You have no connection to God, or you have no connection to yourself, right? But the more amuna you have, right, so that somehow bridges the gap of understanding yourself, and understanding that your circumstances come from Hashem, and seeing life through those lenses, and that will obviously bring you closer to Hashem, right? Because what's Olam Haba? Olam Haba is recognizing Hashem. So the more a person thinks Hashem, the more person, a moon a person has Hashem, so the more you think something, the more you're closer to it. The more you're closer to it, the more you recognize it. Right? The more you recognize, the more you're close to it. <laughs> Same thing, really, right? So then you become close to Hashem. Right? So when a person has a Muna, so they believe in their selves, they believe in their power of tefillah to change things through the Koach Machadish, this force of renewal that Hashem has. And that happens in Eretz Yisrael. And we see by Yaakov, Yaakov had a blemish on his aspect of saying, how will his level, how are my kids going to inherit Yisrael? That already, Chazal say, that's what caused Galus Mitzrayim. Right? And it's the Mitzrayim was the opposite of Amuna, that they believed in Avodah Zarah, they had these big Avodah Zarahs on top, right? Uh, all right, Apicheiras. They use Kishaf, They use Kishaf, yeah, I mean, there's, there's a lot here, maybe we'll go into it later, it's not as relevant to the Torah, but uh, right, Paro is Perah, they couldn't speak to Hashem, they couldn't daven, the closed mouth, Picheiras, they traveled past that Avodah Zarah, they became free, that's the Indian of Pesach, Pesach, the mouth started to speak. It all has to do with Tefillah, and more specifically over there, that's Gullus Hadib, or the inability to express yourself, right? But it's tied in, obviously, with tefillah, because true expression is the expression of Amuna, expression to Hashem. Certainly, it's nice to talk about the Ranger game and all the sorts of other things that we use our Dibor for, but real, true expression is words of tefillah, words of Torah, right? That's real, true expel, uh, self-expression. Okay, Viter, yeah? Um, we're going to go to the end of this paragraph. And this is what Chazal say, right, Chazal say that Mashiach ben David is only going to come until the money is dried up uh, from the wallet. It means people are, are going to be broke. And he's going to show through this paragraph to show how what he's going to say fits into that Chazal that he said. Okay? Uh, so what does this chazal mean? That until the pruta minakis, the money is going to be dried up, people are not going to have any money. It means until the apikorsim, the people who deny uh, emuna and miracles, and they cover over miracles, and they say everything is just natural phenomena, it's just a natural phenomena, that's what it is. They call teva a non-miracle. But really we know teva is a miracle, because the word for ha-teva is gematria, for ha-teva, which means the nature, is gematria 86, and we know Hashem's name of Elohim is also 86, to show that even ha-teva is really a miracle. The nature that we have is really comes from God, Elohim 86, right? So it's not just natural phenomena, but the epicorsin, or the epicorsin inside each one of us, <laughs> right, is going to say, well, that's really how it is, nothing's going to change. Right, so what's the use in davening? So you see how all this goes hands in hand because you're not going to daven then, right? 
ki iker hanisim be'eretz Yisrael, because the main because main miracles happen in Israel. Like the Gemara Tainus says, that Eretz Yisrael drinks first. And it drinks from where? It drinks from the Tahomos, the abyss. Right? And what is, what is this Tahom, this abyss? It comes from where Rus, where Rus, where Naomi actually heads back to the town after she left the base Lechem with Elimelech. Naomi comes back to the town and the whole town says, V'toim kol Zos Naomi! Right? They were astounded. They were baffled. Right? And they said, Is that Naomi? So this, this wonder, Sha'al davernisi temehem ha'olam. Right? So, so a, uh, because why? Was it, Ushtiyasume tomos v'toim kol Right, which happens in Eretz Yisrael, because when a person sees a miracle, everyone becomes baffled, becomes astounded. You're like, <gasps> right, and that happens in Eretz Yisrael. And this is just explaining the drushes over a little bit what he meant by the tahomos. Okay. Of right, and this is what it says that in Tehillim that the abyss from tohim tohim to tohom they'll call out kiesh nisimi lion. There are very high, uh, high miracles, exalted miracles. Shahu bechinas tahom ilah, and this is an aspect of the tahom ilah, the above exalted tahom. Of yesh nisim tatayim, and there are also miracles that are lower level miracles. Shehem bechinas tahom tahoma tata, umalach shakalu mikola nisim shnei tahomos damya de leegla shehu bechinis igulum bechinis emuna right and these uh, lower miracles are a, are incorporated in this angel right that incorporates miracles that comes from these two two tahomas to tahome la to the tahome tasa the elevated tahome and the lower tahome right which is compared to a circle which is emuna just to explain that outside right uh, what that means is there are higher level miracles, open miracles, nisim, le'ela, le'ela, really uh, like a splitting of the sea Mitzrayim. That's a nisila, a high miracle. But then there's the nisim of Purim, which is a nis betochateva, right? Which is a, a, I like to call it, think of it as a non-miraculous miracle, right? It's a miracle, it's teva, Right? Like he's saying that the teva is not going to change, and the and the apikors and the merchasim the teva they cover up the teva and they say the teva is not a miracle; it's just nature, right? And the merchasim the miracles, right? But we know that teva itself is a miracle, and that's a, it's a miracle nevertheless. But it's you could explain it away and say, well, it's not really it's not really a miracle, right? Which is not necessarily because we know that there are six and a half million Jews back in Eretz Yisrael miraculously, which happened. Uh, Slow, slow, steady back. So that's a miracle, right? The fact that there's kibbutz gully is happening in our lifetime is a miracle. But it's very easy to look at it and be machasa over the kibbutz gully and say, nah, nah, it's not happening, right? That's not really what's going on. I, we have six and a half million Jews. The Pusik in Yirmiya, this is a, this is the tangent, tangential, but the Pusik in Yirmiya says, I know, right, I think it's Yirmiya Gimel. Pasuk 14, it says, I have remembered my children. They're going to ret- one, day they're, one day they're going to turn back to Zion, one from a family and two from a town. 
right? One from Rebbe Beisli, they're going to bring their Eretz that everyone going to have people going to Eretz and their family from a town, from a community. And there's going to be a slow drip of people, a tevedic drip of people, but a, a miraculous, right? So you see Eretz is synonymous with Amuna, right? That there's going to be this non-miraculous miracle that's happening. And he goes on to say that this is like a circle, right? Why is it like a circle? Why is Amuna like a circle? Because a circle is a continuous line without, why is it igulim, this idea of circles, right? Because a circle is a continuous line without protrusions, it has no edge, and a muna starts when there's no place for logic to take hold of, right? So which means that, right, only when logic ends, a muna could begin, right? If it's MS and you understand it, then it's not a muna, right? So this circle represents that there's no place to grab it, there's no place for your mind to take hold in it, because it's just completely, completely circular, so that's, represent, that's why Amuna is always synonymous with this idea of igulim, of circles, right? Because there's no place for your mind to grasp it, and that's Amuna, because if you actually understood it, then it wouldn't be Amuna, then it'd be MS. And everyone obviously has an MS and Amuna on their own level. Everyone has a, you know, what's MS to you on a certain level, and Amuna, once you grow in that level, now the Amuna turns into MS, and now you have a higher level of Amuna, right? Once something becomes logical to you and understand it, now you could start understanding other things that are beyond you, that weren't hidden from you until you elevated in your level of understanding, right? So this idea of igulam has to do with understanding, has to do with the moon because, again, there's no, there's no like a logic, there's a beginning place. You, there's a starting point. In a circle, there's no starting point. It's just the moon. It just is. Okay, weiter. Uh... Lost the place over here. And what does it mean that uh, uh, that the lips pra, uh, chatter? All right, shehu bechinas tefila, which is tefila that the lips are chatting with tefila. K'mosh kasev, Hashem says hi tiftach, v'hu klolos anisim. That Hashem is going to open up your mouth and explain. So all this is synonymous with nisim prayer, because you wouldn't pray unless you think something could actually change. And if you're davening and you think you don't think anything could change, you have to ask yourself like, why am I really davening then? If you don't really think to be just to be yotze, right? And davening three times a day, do you really think something could change? And everyone has to ask themselves that question. And if you really believe something can change, it would actually fuel your tefila to put your energy into davening. So people daven three times a day, you cannot think of Hashem one time during davening. Plenty, right? What are you doing? Oh, just being Yotze. You know, <laughs> just being Yotze, right? So it's important to put Hashem back into the picture and understand that Hashem actually has the ability to override Teva and that there's this Kolcha Mechadish. And just let, read the last few sentences over here. Vezet Perush, now he comes back to the Chazal that he started with. At Shetichla Prutam in a kiss. Until the... Until the Money, the pruta, gets dried up from the pocket. Like we explained, there are people who want to cover over and say there's really no such things as miracles. That is incorporated in this angel that prattles his lips. That wants to cover over nature. And when this angel or these people that want to cover over nature, which is, re- which is the pruta, which is the prita svesvase, the people who talk a lot, right? Prita svesvase means the prattling of the lips, uh, which he's playing on words from the word pruta, which means money, that the, when the people are done, uh, get totally worn out of 
crowding their lips against Hashem, against miracles, Azai, Az Yavo Mashiach. Then Mashiach will come. Ki ikar gula toloi bozeh shikemosh kasev, like the pasuk we started, because the main gula is toloi in the revealing of miracles, the strengthening of Amuna and Tfila and Eretz Yisrael. Kemosh kasev, like we said, the pasuk we started with, tavoi tashuri mirosh amana, that they're gonna. Hashem says, "Come to me, singing from the mountain of Amuna." Right, that this mountain of Amuna, this mountain of faith that we build through Tfila. Right, so when we build the when we, when, we, when we understand that Hashem has the ability to, this this ability to intercede with creation and rejuvenate and renew things that go beyond nature, so then we'll, we have that basic level of Muna uh, is going to fuel our tefillahs, and that's what it says, they're going to come singing and dancing from the mountain of Amuna. Now, as always, we have to have a Parsha connection. This is incredible. Incredible stuff, right? And a, uh, it's just fascinating because we daven. You know, I always think about this. Like, who are we davening to? What are we davening for? If we really think that's what's going to happen in our lives, right? You're locked into a certain financial situation or certain relationships that might be difficult or whatever it is. So if you don't think it could really change, that Hashem has the ability to cause a change in such a thing, a rejuvenation, a... But what if it just does a change in you? What do you mean? Sometimes, I mean, there's different ways to understand tefillah, obviously. Yeah. But what if, what if you, you know, you, you sitting and talking your heart out to God, essentially, just refines you. I mean, let, you know, let's say you don't know that, but it will, it will help you identify kind of the godliness within you. Yeah. It's just a different read. Totally, totally. A hundred percent. But but what I would add to what you're saying, I'd be also yeah. what you're saying, right? Certainly when you're, when, 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 Certainly, whatever level of consciousness you're on, whatever level of thinking you're on, your level of awareness, whatever you want to call that, when it changes, life looks differently to you. You know, so when you're talking to Hashem and whatever you're davening to Hashem about, Hashem, help me understand that there's something called the Koch Mechadesh. I don't really believe my life circumstance could change. And help me understand that you do have the ability, because really I think everything in my life is really nature, and I think whatever my paycheck is, that's what's going to be, or my relationship, or whatever it is, help me really connect to that, and help me believe that, right? So you're davening one, certainly through speaking about it, right? right? I believe because I spoke, that's going to entrench and create whatever things in you to see life differently and understand that. And, I don't un- and to me, that's also an answering of a tefillah. You know, but it's not only about self-change, you know, and because I think a lot of people get caught in tefillah as understanding self-change, that now I'm a different person, right? How do people, a lot of people understand tefillah? They say, Dhamma Hashem, so now I'm a different person. So because I'm a different person, I'm really for a different type of bracha, Hashem's going to send me things. So I don't, that, that, that might be true, but what I think this is a much higher level because ultimately that becomes very self-absorbed because you're davening for yourself then. You're davening to yourself. I'm davening I should be a different person, right? I mean, there, there's something nice about that, but what comes back is the whole tefillah is self-serving, right? So that's not really the point, that I'm davening, so now that's my davening, a different person, I'm a different person, I'm Roy for different ashba, right? I think that's a very old way of looking at things. You know, it's true, I'm not, I'm not saying it's not true, you know, but I think that's a very old way of looking at things because it comes out, you're davening to yourself. You're davening to Hashem or you're davening to yourself? What, like, what? So, like, I see this as like a, as a higher, uh, I don't know, higher level, but it's, it, it may be a different I mean, approach. I mean, I mean not, I, I'm not sure if I was quick. I mean, you're davening to Hashem, but 
the question is, does Hashem need her to feel? You know, kind of what, you know, but the eight for self-refinement, you know, versus, you know, God will change tomorrow something for me. That, that's a lot of... Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. To- totally. Totally. I was speaking to someone today. Uh, I don't know if he wants me to say his name, but a really good person. And he was saying that, he goes, you know, he goes, we're breast we make hispoididus, he was telling me. He goes, and I come out with things in my hispoididus, and he's like, and I tell my wife, and my wife tells her friends, he goes, and they're like, wow, we paid our therapist to think of those things. He goes, has your husband ever been to therapy? And he's like, oh, no, I've, he's like, I've never been. He goes, I just do hispoididus. And he gets such amazing insights and self-realizations and perspectives on life just from doing that. Certainly part of it, definitely 100%, you know. And he was like, you know, and he was, he was telling me about his place. He inspired me to like start to play this again, you know, because it's easy to fall off the bandwagon. We have Parsha connection. Yeah? Going for the Parsha connection. Rabbi Nachman says this in Torah, Ayin Dalit. But I'm just saying it's not my own original idea. None of this is. Okay. The Eila Shmos. The Eila Shmos B'nei Yisrael Habayim Mitzrayimah. Ace Yaakov Ish Ubeso Bo. These are the names of the Jewish people who are coming down to Mitzrayim. Yaakov uh, and his family, they came down, right? So we know that in this Parsha, this is, this, we start Shemos is really the beginning of Gullus, really when Gullus really takes effect and they hop on the scene. And right away, right away we know that they went down to Mitzrayim. So the question is, is how do you handle Gullus? How are you supposed to deal with life? How are you supposed to handle both physical exile and spiritual exile? So the first Pasuk in, in Shmos tells us, since the Rabbi Nachman's Drasha, if you take the last letters of the Eila is a He, Shmos is a Saf, B'nei is a Yud, Yisrael is a Lamed, Habayim is a Mem, Mitzrayim is a He. If you take those letters, Eila, Eila, Shmos, B'nei, Yisrael, Habayim, the Sofei Tevas, you rearrange them, you get the words Tehillim. Right? That through saying Tehillim, Tehillim has the power to save a person from exile, right? That if you want to find your shmos, you want to find your name in exile, you want to not have a gullus and nefesh, and you want to come close to God through all that, so the Pasuk is telling us, These are the names going down. If you want to find your shevet, if you want to find your shar, the answer is through Tehillim. The answer is through praying, through talking to God. As we said, Mitzrayim was the place that covered over miracles. It was Mechas in the Teva. And the whole Eitzah, to fight against that, is to believe that there are miracles, that even the Teva is a miracle. Right? Ha Teva, Gematria, Elohim, 86. And to believe in our ability of prayer has the, uh, the power to affect rejuvenation, affect change, and to bring us out of Geula. Mm-hmm.